A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Bijou Podcasts. This is episode 56 of the Stacey June Show, and today my guest is motivational speaker and Olympian Danielle Kettlewell. Welcome to another sit down chat. Hello, I'm Stace. It is the Stacey June Show. And every Thursday, I drop a conversation with someone that I feel is able to share the ways that they have found a good self-care practice for themselves. And hopefully, you guys can take away tools or insights or an idea of how they live their life and how they've learned self-care principles that you can, you can adopt in your life too. Danielle actually contacted me on Instagram uh, probably about a month ago now saying that she was a motivational speaker and was releasing her very first book and she was a fan of the show and would love to have a chat. Now, I get these a lot uh, and it's really lovely and I definitely consider everyone um, and there's so many of you that may have contacted me that are on a list. Um, But Danielle, there was something about her enthusiasm and her interesting story around her synchronised swimming career. She's Canadian. She uh, competes for Australia as her parents are Australian. And uh, she's competed just recently in the World Championships um, as one of the first in the world, first in Australia, um, duos that are mixed. So she, she... teams herself with a dude called Elijah and they are the first mixed synchronized swimming duo in the country. The Olympics don't even allow it yet. And so we have a really interesting chat about sexism in the industry and in the sport, synchronized swimming swimming specifically, but what it's like for men because the sexism is reversed in what we generally find in 2019. Uh, Men find it really hard to compete in the sport and really don't have equality in the sport as a whole as of yet. So I ask her about that. We we talk a bit about Elijah, her partner, uh, what it's like to then go from working with all women for so many years to working with a dude and that's a hilarious conversation and what it's also like to have – been raised essentially in an industry, in a career that favours women because that to me is unheard of. So what the challenges are on the other side of that and what she does proactively to help uh, equal that out, um, which is a really nice thing to hear and something that we would come to expect whether it is a male or a female issue. So that's a really a really kind of interesting part of the conversation. We also talk about, I guess, her kumbaya moment in her life. She kind of quit synchronized swimming and then made her way back. And, and there's a real great message around timing and how – 
you know, you want something so bad that it can potentially not be the right time for you to get it. And I really related to this. I've related much to the I guess the analogy of the phoenix rising uh, lately where you basically have to burn to ashes before you become the phoenix and rise again in a fully fledged powerful uh, offering, which is the phoenix. And I've been told that I resemble this and have resembled this at different parts of my life quite often. And I've certainly gone through that in the past couple of years. And so it was really interesting to hear her take on this. And and I think we could all get something out of how we can really resist that time when we are kind of burning to the ground and it doesn't feel great, but it is a really big part of life. And I think it's a really big part of succeeding and finding your way again. You do need to burn to ashes and you need to start again. And she has a really interesting take on this. And like me, it doesn't mean you have to start again and open a cafe and do something completely different, you can start again in the same sport in a completely different way. So she speaks about how when she was competing in Canada, she wasn't, she didn't really classify herself as one of the more competitive, um, I guess, athletes in her team and that she was always just really the baseline, almost like the participation award. And it wasn't until she kind of quit, had to kind of burn to the ashes and then make her way back and started to compete for Australia in the Olympics that there was a whole other career for her in the same sport. So I found that whole thing really interesting, which I think you will too. So I will play that for you in a sec. I just wanted to check in and say a big hello uh, to those of you that um, have been listening to the show for a while, but also to those of you that are new that may find me for the first time through Danielle or another guest that I've had over the last few weeks. Um, I've had a few great conversations over the past few weeks. And in particular, if you haven't listened to the conversation about mental health and anxiety and how to find a, a psychologist that works for you, Jill Stark speaks so amazingly about this in an interview that I did with her last week. So please go back and listen to that. And also, I want to do a, a bit of a shout out to an episode I did this week, which is a single Pringle episode, which is dedicated to those of you and anyone that you know that is over being alone. I think sometimes I do a lot of work on how amazing it is when you are solo to do the self-care work and how incredible of an opportunity it is for you to really, really ground yourself in who you are, what you want, and a bit of a journey and path for yourself from a very good foundation when you are solo, when you are single. And so I I talk a lot about it in a very positive light, but I want to be really clear that it isn't all freaking roses. And and I say in my Instagram post today that, and you can follow me at Stacey June, I say that you um, essentially, I, I really resisted being single for the majority of the time that I was. And I I'm very close to announcing when my book will be coming out next year and I have so many lessons. I'm so proud of the journey I had of the five years that I did a really big self-development kind of life coaching course on myself. So I speak a lot about that and I speak very positively about the effects of that. But in the moment, it wasn't fucking easy. I resisted it a lot. I didn't want to be myself. I would go to bed every night thinking about who this person was, when would I meet them, what would the timing look like. So if you're one of these people people that's just fed up. Maybe you've just come out of another relationship that you thought was it. Maybe you're a person that's been single for a really long time and you've gotten to a point where you're like, okay, fuck, where are they? 
where the hell are they? I've been patient. I've worked on my career and I'm still not seeing anyone. Listen to the single Pringle podcast that I put up on Tuesday. It's the one before this, episode 55, and please send it to someone that is at their tether when it comes to being solo because I think that that person will really, really need this podcast and I've had such a great response, very much like my acceptance uh, self-centered Sunday uh, episode. I'll put all of them in show notes to make it as easy for you as possible. Um, And if you are a single Pringle, I drop a fortnightly newsletter specifically for you about relationships and dating and flourishing in your solo life that you can subscribe to at stacyjune.com. So guys, over the next couple of weeks, I will give you some more information on my one-on-one coaching. It will open up uh, in mid-August and essentially I'll do an intake um, to a point of the amount of people that I'm happy to do and I'll do another towards the end of the year potentially, um, but I've just got my book deadline. There's things going on and it may get a bit hectic. So if you are a person that wants to do some serious self-work across a couple of months working one-on-one with me, this may be one of your only opportunities over the next six to 12 months. Um, And I will open up those uh, in the next few weeks. So make sure that you are signed up to my newsletter or you do follow me on Insta um, or you're listening into the podcast. There's plenty of ways to hear from me uh, to find out more information. It is all the information is available at the moment at stacyjune.com forward slash workshop. So you can sign up right now, but I will be giving a little bit more of a launch and do a video and give you a bit of an idea of what you can get out of that experience with me. I am so excited to work very closely with some of you. It will be intense. It will be inspiring. It will be amazing. It will be hard. It will be fun. It will be funny. We'll become mates and I'm, I'm pretty excited to be able to help in any possible way I can. So um, look out for more information on that. I will also put the uh, website link in my show notes as well. Okay. Well, thank you for listening and thanks for being here as usual. If you are new, welcome. Um, I'm a person that is obsessed with finding tools for us to be the best versions of ourselves, but I say all of this information or I share all of this information through my own stories or through interviews uh, in a very practical and human way. There is no perfection here. There is no one way here. There is so many different ways for you to be your best self. I am so passionate about celebrating differences. So I hope that if you uh, listen to the chat and you like it with Danielle, you will find a few other episodes that give you some inspiration or at least a bit of a pep up that you need on a day that you require it. All right. Enjoy my chat with Danielle. She's such a delight. And I think this is the very beginning of us hearing more from her. And you can find more information of her. I will again put in show notes at daniellekettlewell.com and you can find her on Instagram at danielle.kw. Okay. Enjoy. Welcome back, Danielle. Is it Danielle, Danielle? How do you pronounce your name? Because I've got a, a very a very close family member to me and and she's got a specific way of how she has her name pronounced. Well, it's funny because so I'm, you know, as you can probably hear, I don't have an Aussie accent. So I'm originally from Canada and over there, everyone says Danielle. But when I moved here, I noticed that when I would say Danielle, like, you know, when you're getting your coffee and stuff, people wouldn't understand me. They would cut, they would write down my name as Tanya. 
I don't know how that relates. <laughs> so then I've learned to, to Aussies to say Danielle. Um, but I'm pretty easygoing. You, you, I mean, whichever you want is, is fine with me. I get lots of different nicknames. So I just kind of go with the flow. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that the Aussie way was Danielle because it seems like it's shorter. Danielle is like much more posher and I generally the Australians don't go for that side which we generally go for a more quick kind of I don't know get it out there way so I'm I'm kind of glad that's that's I'm proud of that um so you've just come back from South Korea have you landed back in Australia yeah, I literally got back about less than twelve hours ago wow. from South Korea. Wow! So, <laughs> so for those yeah, of you, so the, for those of you that don't know, um, Danielle competed in is it the World Championships for synchronized swimming? Yeah, so it was the FINA World Championships um, in South Korea, which is um, it's every two years and it's all of the aquatic sports. So right. it's um, synchronized swimming, which has now been changed to artistic swimming and swimming, diving, water polo, open water swimming and high diving. So it's all it's kind of like the best way to describe it is like a water Olympics pretty much. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. And I actually competed um, on the weekend. So a few days ago. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Now, before we get on to how you went, I wanted to also preface by saying that are you the first mixed duet in artistic swimming that's ever happened? Or is this something that's that has happened before, but for this particular championships, it's a first? Because it's So it's a mixed double essentially, yeah. which is that's yeah. not generally so- done. Yeah, so it's called a mixed duet, um, and we're the first in Australian history to be um, to have competed for Australia at World Championships, and well, just actually just the first mixed duet in Australian history because there is no one else, and it's a new event on the world stage, so. Um, women have been competing in, in synchronized swimming for many, many years. And it's actually one of those interesting sports where there was a bit of, um, inequality, but on the, the side of men. So, you know, that's fascinating. Yeah, we don't usually experience that. So men weren't able to compete in in our sport at a world level until 2015. Wow. So this is the third world championships that they've had the mixed duet event in. Um, and um, I uh, my duet partner came from swimming and he I'm 26 and he's 19 years old and um, he kind of decided, you know, that his uh, swimming career was coming to an end and he saw the synchro girls on the the other side of the pool and kind of got an interest in the sport. And eventually, we, I like to say, converted him. And um, <laughs> he had been, only been doing synchronized swimming for a year and a half. So we've been training together for about a year and qualified for the world champs and um, got to compete over the weekend. And we, were, um, we made it into the finals and we're the second ever Aussies that have made it into a finals at world championships in synchronized swimming. So it was a really, really exciting um, event and a weekend. And I'm still kind of coming down from the high and and just kind of processing all of those emotions. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. So what are the, what are the differences obviously then if, if that has only that's only become a thing as of 2015. And I want to talk about that equality conversation in a second, because it's quite Mm -hmm. fascinating to have it switch like that. But, um, so for the majority, you have done swimming comps with other women in groups or also in a duet, never dudes? 
Um, yeah. So I've up until this past year, I've only ever swam with other women. So I've actually been doing, um, synchronized swimming for over 18 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started off in Canada, um, and long story, but I, I moved to Australia about five years ago to compete on the Australian team. Cause my parents are Aussie. So I have dual citizenship All and, right. um, I was on the Australian team for, um, about, uh, the team for about four years. And I was lucky enough to compete in the 2016 Rio Olympic games as well. So in a, um, in a group, I, in like a group yeah, setting, a yeah, yeah, in a team. Right. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. what is the, what's the difference that you found working with Ethan, your now uh, male partner compared to other chicks? Because I mean, is it the same? Essentially you have similar, um, similar kind of goals and similar training patterns, but is, is there any differences that you found? Um, well, I think there's the natural physical differences, which is kind of funny. So in our sport, we don't, we don't have contact with the other teammates, but we can't have contact with our own teammates quite often. So we're, you know, quite often hitting, bumping, scratching each other just by accident because of the nature of the sport and, um, having a, uh, to put it kindly, a different <laughs> something different in between the legs. I was just was, thinking um, that. <laughs> it was a bit interesting for me. And like the first time we got in the pool together, I think I kicked him a few times in the crotch and I <laughs> felt so bad because I'm like, I've never had to watch out for that before. You know, <laughs> it's never really mattered. And the poor guy, he has, he has had so many hits from me this past year. And we're like, can you wear a jock strap? And it's like, it's a bit heavy. And um, so he's just kind of had to um, deal with that. So that has been really, really, uh, really interesting, you know, on my part, dealing with that aspect, pretty much not trying to kick in the, in the balls (laughs) Um, and make sure that he can still have kids someday (laughs) through all of that. Um, but yeah, just, I think just competing with a, a male as well. Um, and not only that, but somebody who's a beginner in the sport. So, mm. you know, I've been, I'm been in the sport for so many years. So, so many things come naturally to me, but, and it's not quite often that you put together, you know, a professional and an amateur to compete at a professional level. Um, so just kind of the, the patience on my, uh, on my side of things where I had to be really patient and in him learning the skills, which I had, you know, have come naturally to me over the years, which was a really interesting process and kind of helping him on the mental side, because as much as synchronized swimming is a extremely difficult sport physically, I think mentally it is so much harder. You know, it's like 80% mental game because there's no other sport in the world where you have to do those skills at such a high caliber where you literally are holding your breath 50% of the time. So your brain is telling your body pretty much that you're dying and you need to, you know, breathe and, and, and take in oxygen and you have to fight that mental thought within your mind and, you know, remind your, your brain that your body can actually stay alive much longer than you think it it wants to. So it's, it's kind of silence that almost like inner critic, that inner voice and, and pushing past that wall and having to teach Ethan that who hadn't really dealt with that aside of it was a really interesting journey for the both of us. And, Mm. you know, some moments of frustration and other moments where we really had to work on our communication, but it all came together really well in the end. So two parts, and I'm so fascinated by the breathing and the mental strength element. But before we get into that, I found it quite interesting that it's such a natural conversation or a natural, um, I suppose, comment for you to call yourself a professional and, and then and him an amateur because that's just the mm-hmm. fact. But there's just so many women in different expertise or different kinds of careers where it's not 
female friendly or it's definitely not mm. female dominated where if they have a male join them it would be almost uncomfortable for them to call themselves the expert and the male mm. uh, the amateur is that something that you essentially are very grateful for because you've had that surrounding in your sport that it's been so female dominated or or talk me through whether you've ever had I, I guess that kind of thought process when you were joining Uh, forces with Ethan? Yeah, I think it was really interesting what I, you know, there's many reasons why I think, you know, believe that my sport is amazing. But I think one of them is, is the strong women that are created out of the sport because it pretty much has, you know, developed without any men up, you know, up until the last few years. And that's really unlikely in this world. You know, Mm. a lot of things have, the men have progressed first and then the women have come along Mm. just Mm. the way it has naturally been. And it's quite the opposite in synchronized swimming. And what is beautiful about that is, um, we develop a lot of very strong, independent, intelligent, hardworking, creative women through that process. So, because you, you, um, you know, I only have strong, um, role models that are, that are women in Mm. the sport, which is amazing. And, um, it's really fascinating, um, not having any male aspect in that, but also at the same time realizing that, you know, I'm still trying to fight for equality in our Mm. sport, but on the other spectrum. Mm. So not for equality for women, but for equality for men and for them to be feeling that discrimination that women have felt for so many years, but still coming forward and, um, you know, wanting to make sure that it is equal for all because it is still you know on unbalanced in our sport there's only this one event which is called mixed duet which men are allowed to compete in but they're not allowed to compete in any other event so we have teams we have duets we have combinations we have solos and the mixed and duet only... isn't allowed at the olympics yet either right no it's yeah, not right. allowed at the olympics so we're, we're also trying to fight for that so it, it's interesting um being on the other side of the spectrum and you know after so many years where women have had to fight for equality it, it's quite the opposite but still at the end of the day realizing that equality is the end game for all of us no matter if you know it's a beautiful feminist movement synchronized swimming in of itself because we have strong women but at the end of the day we want it to be equal for all and how has Ethan gone with that have you guys had conversations has he had any challenges with I mean that would be a new thing for him it's not his fault that society works that way but even in swimming it's interesting it would have been a different um a different experience to come into a female dominated uh sport yeah. Yeah. It, it's been interesting for him. And just like on surface level, him having to spend so much time with girls and, you know, I've just, I just said like, you know, I, I talked to him all about, I've had told him about my period and like all the girl, the, the girl things that we go through. And he's kind of just been really open to that and, um, it, accepted it really well. But, um, at the same time, it's been interesting having him coming into the sport because there's also those natural assumptions from people mm. that when they think of a male going into a traditionally feminine, quote unquote, feminine sport, they go, oh, he, well, he must be gay, mm. which is really interesting that society does that because why does doing a certain sport have anything to do with your sexual orientation? Well, I'm going to you be know, honest. I'm- the question comes to my mind and I don't allow myself to ask it because I don't want to contribute to that dialogue yeah. or that. But it is. It's very natural for that to come up, even if you're a complete equalist or you're a person that doesn't find those things as a factor. We are so conditioned to think that way. It's it's totally. really dangerous. 
Yeah. And it's, it's interesting too, because, you know, I said to him at the beginning, like, this is something that we're going to face. Um, but it's interesting that they would ask him that, but nobody asked me my sexual orientation yeah, totally. and at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. No. But why would we be so quick to judge a man for being gay, for being in a sport, but not ask a woman the same thing mm. when, you know, at, at, at the end of the day, it shouldn't even be a conversation, mm. right? Because mm. it's, you know, first of all, not anyone's business unless they're that, that person is, you know, wanting to speak about it, but on the same end, it's about the sport, right? Mm. It is about the, the athletic athleticism and the creativity and the ability that we have to, you know, manipulate and move and do beautiful things in the water. And it shouldn't really have any reflection on, on, uh, you know, sexual orientation, which has n- no contribution to your physical ability <laughs> no, to perform. Not at all. Let's yeah. talk about the mental strength that you speak of mm-hmm. um, because, I mean, I've, I recently did a podcast with a Reiki master who works in breathwork and I'll put that in the show notes. Her name is Marja and she was incredible and spoke about the power of breath and, and I am a big advocate for it, mm-hmm. uh, the fact that it can move energy, the fact that it can heal us from anxiety, the fact that it's so, so, so underused. But that would be such a different experience for you considering that you would have to have, I guess, your own form of training when it comes to breath work, right? Mm, and it's it's interesting too because I in the past year and a half or so I've been delving more into that that spiritual aspect as well and and mm-hmm. you know done quite a few different breathwork sessions and it's been such an opposite spectrum for me where I I have to use my breath to um, help me as opposed to repress my breath if that right. makes any sense so to empower you as opposed to hold. Yeah. yeah. And right. I actually did a, a breathwork session and I should have told the, the lady beforehand because there was this one aspect where we had to hold our breath. And at the end, I'm, I think I held my breath for quite a long time. At the end, she was <laughs> like, I thought you died. I thought I was going to have to call my, my mentor in America because she's like, you were breathing for like four <laughs> minutes. You just kept, I was like, I'm so sorry. It's just, I'm really good at that aspect. Um, so yeah, that was quite funny, but um, it, it's funny because I, um, I, I would say like, I'm a quite spiritual person. And as I've come more into that, I've seen how the, the beauty of, I see spirituality in synchronized swimming, um, because it is using your breath to help you perform. It is using your breath to access the power inside of you, as well as tapping into your creativity and going beyond the, the mental boundaries that your mind creates through the conditioning of the society. So, you know, uh, before I even knew the power of breath work, I understood the power of having to control my breath to be able to optimize my performance. And, you know, what you see when you, if anyone gets the chance to watch synchro is we come up out of the water with either, you know, quite often smiles on our face, but sometimes other expressions and you don't see, you know, the the physical pain of, you know, what we're Mm. feeling on the inside from the absolute exhaustion that is in our body. Um, And that comes from understanding how to control the breath because you you might come up and your heart rate is at 180 beats per minute and you're just wanting to gasp for air. But in that moment, you really have to learn how to slow and controlly release that breath to be able to manipulate your heart rate. So I've literally, when I was swimming, I would learn how to slow down my breath so I could slow down my heart rate faster um, to be able to calm myself down to continue my my performance at a high level, if that makes any sense. So yeah. that was a really interesting thing that over the years, I learned how to kind of learn how to manipulate my body through breath and then 
you know, when you go further than that, you can, you know, access different levels of, of healing through really understanding how to utilize that breath. So talk to me about how you've seen a change in your day-to-day life with the knowledge of breath that way. So do, mm-hmm. Is there a, are you an anxious person? Are you a person that's very mindful of when you go into shallow breath and when you go into deep breath? Mm-hmm. Are you a meditator? Tell us about how people at home listening could essentially activate some form of change in their own lives if they had had the ability to do some breath work. Yeah, I... Um I, I meditate every day, but you know, in the morning and in, in the evening, and I really help. I feel like that helps access, you know, um, a stillness within me and and a deep gratitude within me. It's just um, it helps me, you know, live my life to, to my happiest level. I, I believe, but um, I wouldn't say I'm not usually anxious, but I I can get quite wrapped up in my mind. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like to um, being an athlete and an Olympian, and I like to kind of always be planning ahead. Um, and and that can lead, lead to a bit of like self-induced stress Mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of, you know, when you let that snowball in your mind, just roll, 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 and it kind of gets out of control. So really learning how to, you know, just tap into, um, my breath to be able to, to slow down that mental chatter has just helped so much in my everyday life. And then, you know, from a performance point of view, like before I walk out there, have walked out there on stage, you know, when I'm feeling absolutely nervous, learning how to tap into that slow, deep breathing to be able to come back to the present moment and, um, have the courage to be able to do something. So I think when people, you know, I have to overcome a lot of fear when I'm walking out there on stage and performing under in front of like thousands of people. And I think individuals can feel this in so many different circumstances. You know, if you're nervous to do something, whether that be to speak it, you know, publicly or um, nervous to go into a situation or a meeting or whatever it may be in your life, but just allowing like a sense of stillness, even if it isn't, you know, it doesn't have to be meditation at all, but just giving yourself like five seconds to a minute of just standing, closing your eyes and taking in deep breath to be able to feel the presence of the moment. And, and in that, like a mental trick that I learned from my sports psychologist is when you're focusing on the breath, listen for five sounds. Um, so, you know, when you, I think when we're in the mental chatter of our everyday life, it can be really easy to tune everything out. But when you come back and you listen to try and find five different sounds in the environment that you're in, focus on that breath. It'll really help bring you back to that moment and, and release a lot of fear that people have for any situations that they're, that they're going into that, whatever that may be. And, and that's really helps me overcome my own personal fears. You know, every time that I'm walking out there on stage, because literally I like, I feel like I'm going to shit my pants every time, you know, and I've done it many, many, many times. So I think that's a, a trick that I would um, suggest that people use if, if they're ever feeling those nerves in their own life. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. On 
come to the mental strength that you've spoken about, I'm, I'm quite fascinated by that. And you've, you've just mentioned that you uh, have a sports psychologist. You obviously do a lot of physical training, but what do you do in terms of your mental training day to day? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think in the it's transition the more I've, I've, I've learned how to understand myself, but a lot of, um, uh, journaling and self-reflection has, has really helped me in my journey. And in the lead up to the Olympics, I was literally writing down, you know, every single day, you know, when I wanted to accomplish, go after my goals, I'd write down what I want to accomplish and how I was doing each day and, and reflecting on, you know, the good and the bad and that, you know, what I did well and what I can improve upon. And I think that really helped tap into to my, my self-awareness and inner knowing about where I wanted to move to. Um, but also I found like affirmations have really, really helped me as well. You know, before I go and, and out there and compete on stage or before I go and do a talk and, and speak in front of businesses or lots of kids, you know, I, I, give, um, I put my legs apart, hands on my hips, do a bit of a power stance and, and just repeat my affirmations as I'm strong, I'm capable, I'm confident. And, and that really helps me. And yeah, um, I actually had a guest that spoke about, and we were speaking a little bit more about, um, some more in-depth mental health problems, but she mm-hmm. was very clear to say that she was not a big believer in affirmations and, and it is very mm-hmm. different with people, but I've since found them again. I found them at different stages of my life. And I think there's, if you're getting the right messages that you need to be reprogramming, there's something mm-hmm. incredibly powerful to affirmations, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think it's it's only as powerful as you let it be. I think if you stand there and, and you feel the doubt inside of you being like, oh, this is stupid. This isn't going to work. You know, mm. that's how your brain is going to process it. But if you stand in the belief that, you know, it, it is going to help you, um, y- you feel it more, even if you feel stupid. And and I think at first you may feel a little bit silly saying those things to yourself just because of all, we all have our own inner critic. You know, we all have that voice that wants to, you know, shine hatred on us, but using those affirmations to overcome that consistently, you know, if you say it once, it's not going to work, right? You need mm. to, you need to do it in the moments when you feel doubt in the morning, when you wake up in, in, in spare time that you have, if you have three seconds, you know, just, just put your hand on your heart and repeat that to yourself. And the more you say it, the more you're going to believe it and the more you're going to embody it. And, and I think something that has really helped in the aspect of my sport is, um, in this weird sense, some people don't like this, but fake it till you make it. And I don't mean in the sense of, you know, being fake. Um, I think it it is more in the sense of like stepping into the embodiment of who you believe that you can be to tap into that potential with inside of yourself. Because even if you don't have the courage now, pretend that you do, even if you don't feel strong now, pretend that you do. And the more that you do that, the more you're going to embody that person, the more you pretend to embody that person, the more you will become that future higher version of yourself. And that kind of method will help you step into where you want to go. Um, and you know, I think that really starts with, starts with affirmations and, and starts with, um, you know, self-awareness as well. I love that. And it's an actual tool that I teach in my coaching, which is the daydream, uh, meditation, which is for those that are looking to attract things into their lives or to kind of be in a different place that they're in to actually find ways to feel that place in the future. Mm. Because I think uh, something to really add to those great points that you've brought up is that in order for you to move from where you are, it's not just about affirming or reading, it's about 
feeling. And when you start to feel something that you want to achieve, things start to really uh, snowball for you. And, And I think feeling is the best way to activate energy to attract those things too. I think often words and, you know, stagnant kind of energy is is around just very um I don't know just kind of very uh, what am I saying like one layer kind of thing so if you've got a, a bit of an affirmation that's up in your wall and you're you've you've written it down and you're looking at it every day but you're not really feeling it, it mm. it's kind of only gets you to a certain level so I think and actually that's just motivated me I think I am going to record this meditation for people to download because I think it might be one that is um is quite helpful. So thank you for yeah. raising that. Yeah, um, no problem. I, I completely agree with that. And and I think that's what I love is, you know, kind of combining the knowledge of sports psychology along with, you know, manifestation and, mm. and aspects of spirituality and law of attraction is the more that you feel that and you step into that state, you step into that vibration, the more you're going to attract that to your life. And as much as, you know, people may doubt that there is, um, it's really cool that athletes have been doing that for years before I think um, the, the world start to, started to realize. And this great story that I have is um, around the power of visualization is something that my my sports psychologist, he had been to 10 Olympics as a sports psych and kind of had um, pioneered the field himself. And he had worked with many, many uh, Olympic medalists and he would always walk through visualizations um, with his athletes and t- the more, the better that they got at the visualizations, the, the more their performance would optimize. And he was working with this hurdler once. Uh, yes. Yeah. He was running hurdles. So a hundred meter hur- uh, hurdles. So that's where you jump over the like little thingies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and this um, athlete was so good at visualization that he could literally visualize his race in the exact amount of time that he would usually do it. And this one day he was doing this visualization with this athlete and, and he, he, he wasn't in the right headspace. He didn't really do a good job. Um, and so he said, you know, let me do it again. I want to visualize it again. And, and the, the sports psych was like, no, 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 you know, you, you only can do it once. Um, just because you, you would never run a hundred meter sprint at a competition level twice in a row back to back, right? Because you're giving all of your energy and he he goes, no, no, I want to do it again. So the sports psych, he let him do it again. Um, and he visualized the race. Um, and as soon as he opened his eyes, he ran to the bin and started vomiting because his body was so exhausted because he was so good at visualizing that his body literally thought that he was physically doing that. And Mm. he would never do two 100 meter sprints in a row, Mm. you know? So it's, I think that is such a beautiful example of the power of visualization um, when you, when you really learn to access it and it comes from really tapping into, you know, not only the, you know, those words, but the feeling state, like what it feels like, what it, what it tastes like, what it sounds like, you know, what your body feels like, what is your surroundings like? And, and the more that you do that, it, it's visualization, but it's also manifestation. And, and I do that in my life with everything that I want to call in, like in sport and beyond, I, I try and, um, as often as I can in the morning, sit there and, and, and visualize exactly how I want my life to be in it. And it's crazy because now I'm sitting on the other end of, of feeling and seeing the, the literal reality of my life be a reflection of the visualizations that I had created months ago, which is so insane. Yeah, I love that. And it's, it's, it's magic. There is really no other way to put it. And we have access to it all the time. 
and uh, I think often people put it to be magic that only certain people have access to, but it's mm. not the case. Everybody has the capacity to to dive in. I want to talk to you. I'm quite fascinated at the moment, um, just kind of having a bit of a phoenix rising uh, moment for myself over the past probably couple of years. Yeah. I'm quite fascinated about um, just people really finding uh, a point in their life where things start to burn to the ground and then you re you rewrite like the phoenix and if you if you haven't looked that up before google it because it's an incredible way to sum up uh, you know big transitions in your life and i think more than one happen but something like that happened for you about 5 years ago could could you explain to us what was going on and and how that led you to where you are now yeah yeah so um as much as i think sometimes when you're on the other side, it's easy to forget, but, um, and I I literally just, I just wrote a book about it, um, which is called the unlikely Olympian, but you know, as I am here now, but this was never actually what my life was going to be. And Mm. I, I never believed that I would be an Olympian because growing up in my sport, I was actually really not that good. I, I, you know, I always struggled with my weight when I was younger and I struggled so much with my self-belief. Um, and I truly believed I would never make anything of myself in the sport. You know, I was kind of always the girl that was a great team player, but wasn't that yeah, you know, right. skilled. You know, I had a great work work ethic and attitude, but I was never talented. Um, and so, you know, I did my sport in Canada all the way up until year twelve, and. Um, I went to nationals in Canada, but I was the reserve on the team. You know, I was nowhere near, um, you know, thinking ever getting to the Olympic level. So at 18 years old, I actually retired um, and I walked away, oh, quote unquote, retired um, because I thought that was the end of the line. I thought it was all over for me. And, and, um, I, but I just had this feeling and like, I, you know, now I I believe it was my soul knew that there was something more for me. I just had this feeling that there was more inside of me. Um, and I, I stayed involved in my sport and I did it more at a recreational level, just out of pure enjoyment. And, um, one day, um, I was uh, at a training session and we were doing something that we call highlights. So highlights is when we literally build like human pyramids in the water and we all egg beater up to the surface. And then one of the teammates jumps off like a diver and does flips and lands in the water. It's like absolutely magical to watch um, and defying physics completely. And um, my teammate went up um, and she came straight down on my head and I ended up getting a concussion. Oh, 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 wow. Mm. Yeah. And you can imagine, you know, having a human being falling from a meter and a half onto your head into the water, we have no protection, you know, it, mm. it's hard. Um, you know, the, there's, there's nothing to soften that blow. Um, and you know, ironically, I, I was also at this time in my life where I just didn't feel like I was on the right path. Like I was in university because I thought, you know, that's what people do. You go to high school, you go to university. I was studying something I wasn't really passionate about. Um, I was kind of at this place in my life where I, I wasn't, excited about the path ahead of me. And this concussion actually forced me to stop everything. It forced me to drop out of university, stop all of my jobs. And I was literally like told to sit in a dark room and recover. No stimulation, no TV, no music, um, no activity, no exercise, no alcohol, none of that. And literally lie in a dark room. And, and that kind of, that was the first step to me, um, 
you know, uh, learning about meditation because that was pretty much all I could do. Um, and it was a really dark time in my life because I think if you tell anyone to lay in a dark room until you, you, you know, uh, with an unknown time limit, anyone would get, you know, a bit depressed. And I feel, I always am very cautious speaking about this cause I, I do not have depression, but I, I fell into a depressive state. Um, and it was a very, very dark time in my life because I just everything was taken away from me. I was given no answers and, and I just didn't know where to go. Um, and at the same time, I actually had my uh, 21st birthday when I was concussed. Um, and you know, very much different than what I thought it would be. And the day after my 21st birthday, I was talking to one of my friends on the phone and she, um, she was wishing me happy birthday. And at the same time she got a message. So we, um, from a, sorry, she got a message from the assistant national team coach of the synchronized swimming, uh, team in Australia. So the assistant national team coach reached out to her because her and myself are both synchronized swimmers and we're both dual citizens to Canada and Australia. Right. And they were looking for more people to try, try out for the team in the hopes of qualifying for the Olympic games. And at the time, you know, that is just a ridiculous opportunity, you know, you know, I'm concussed. I'm in Canada. I was never really that good of an athlete. I had all of these walls up against me, but then I was kind of offered this once in a lifetime opportunity of trying out for the Australian team in the hopes of getting to the Olympic games. And that was a moment in my life where I, I just, I faced so many limiting beliefs and so many things that just you know, thought it, it would never be possible, but I had this whisper inside of my soul that just said, you know, what if, what if you just try, what if you just go for it? Because at the most, I would realize that I would rather try and fail than always wonder what if, no matter how impossible it was. And I think like, and take us through, just take us through just on that. Mm-hmm. Cause I think a lot of people listening are kind of like, well, that's great because you got offered the you got off it so there you've got this kind of opportunity but I can hear in your voice that it wasn't that simple for you because you obviously had quite low self-esteem or had Mm. you know had some really limiting thoughts for you to believe that you were worthy of it or you could do it because I think Mm. often people listening are like well you that that was your way out you got a phone call I'm in this this dark place and I don't have that thing pulling me out of there but explain to everybody maybe that that wasn't as simple as it sounds. Mm. Yeah, it, it wasn't. I think yeah, I got this incredible opportunity, but many people, and I felt for a long time, I felt a lot of guilt around that because yeah. you know, who, who am I to receive this? And like, yeah. how can I share this with others? Because not this, this opportunity doesn't get offered to many people, but, um, you know, I think when we are in a place of like letting our limiting beliefs rule our life, we often don't allow ourselves to see the opportunities that arise. And, um, I think out of so many moments of darkness, you know, when one door closes, there will always be another door that opens. We just have to allow ourselves to see the door and not everyone is obviously going to get a call up, you know, to try out for the national team to, to go to the Olympics, but you're going to have something in your life that gives you an opportunity to up-level yourself. And as much as there is fear, you have to learn to overcome that or learn to tap into what you truly desire, despite all of that fear to allow yourself to believe that it may be possible because yes, I got this incredible opportunity, but at the same time, 
there was so much impossibility for me. Mm. You know, I literally, it was an impossible dream because, you know, I went and told people after I, after, you know, thinking about it for a while and, and realizing that I wanted to go for it, I went and told people and they thought I was crazy. You know, they thought that there is no way, you know, here's this girl who's, who struggles with her weight, who is in Canada, who is concussed, who hasn't swam, you know, at a high level in a few years, like pretty much like who the fuck are you to think you could go for that, right? Who the heck do you think that you are? Do you think that you are good enough to be able to do that? And as much as, you know, that was intimidating hearing and, and, and thinking of the, the thoughts that people were, you know, having against this opportunity for me, I decided to use that, that doubt as fuel to my fire mm. as opposed to as fuel to douse my flame inside of me. And, um, and I started to work towards it. And it, it came from a lot of um, tapping into what is inside of me and, and constantly working to overcome that fear. Because I think there will always be fear, you know, and, and the challenge for us in this lifetime is to learn how to step through that fear to the other side, to access the true potential inside of us. Because that fear is just a barricade between us and our highest, most powerful, most beautiful self. And our fear is going to look different for every single human being, but the power is stepping through that to the other side. And that's something that I had to do literally every single day, despite the doubt, despite the anxiety, despite the nerves inside of me, because what was beyond that fear was greater than I ever could have imagined. And if I never had the belief that it was possible, if I never had that whisper inside of my soul tapping into what I knew that I could be, I wouldn't have gone out after that. I would have let those limiting beliefs, you know, douse my flame, but just in, in little aspects, learning every day, to keep stepping into the power that is inside of me and learn to quieten, quieten those voices of, of hatred, those voices of doubt, those voices of um, criticism, because what was on the other side was so much greater than that. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, people going after it, I think you, you may, your opportunity may not look like mine, but it's going to be there will be an opportunity in some sense, and there's going to be a massive amount of fear, but just keep stepping into who you believe that you can be, keep stepping into that, you know, ideal version of yourself through fake it till you make it through, you know, embodying your future self through visualizing, through using those affirmations, because eventually the more you do that, the more you practice it, the more you will step into that self and you will see, I truly believe, see your beautiful life that you believe to become unfolding in front of you. I think the step before that, though, a lot of people struggle with is finding the point of um, either a hobby or a passion or a purpose that will drag them there. And and I definitely, Mm. I was in my 20s and found – found it really hard when people would say, what are you passionate about? You know, there wasn't anything mm. that was overly sparking me. And it was probably from about uni days up until I was about 28. So a good chunk of my 20s, if not the majority of them, where mm. I just went from job to job trying to find something more. But the thing is, I didn't give up and I ended up mm. finding it. And I did find something that ended up making me make decisions and give me courage that I needed to change other parts of my life or to maybe find ways to 
I guess, minimise those fear thoughts. I do think Mm -hmm. that it's important for everyone listening to understand that that does come much easier once you have found something that's worth fighting for. Um, Because I think for me, I was just such a... A young girl with not a lot of confidence wasn't wasn't in a great relationship, and it was until I found radio that I actually went. This is worth me actually taking risks and doing things that I've been scared to do in the past because I really love this and I really I want this part of my life to work. So I'm going to roll the dice with other parts that I've been too scared to roll the dice with in the past. So I think even a step to that, my advice would be to to keep looking for something that sparks you because mm-hmm. I think there will – you might not think that the tools will just present themselves to overcome the fear, but the, yeah. if you can find a passion point or something that you love – Often that will be the thing that will help you elevate yourself out of the, that that fear place, yeah. um, and I think that's why it's so inspiring and incredible to hear people like sport, like stars, and and people that have done things like this because you've had that discipline and that activity to be yeah. able to focus on that isn't just all on your shoulders. So I just wanted to to add that yeah. on the Olympic part, though you do get to a point where you compete in the Olympics and it it just must have been such an incredible experience. What surprised you about becoming an Olympian? What did you not expect? Um, well, I, I also, so the point that you said before as well, I, I really agree with, and I think a lot of people have said to me too, you know, but what if there's nothing I'm passionate about? And and I I totally, I feel that for people because I think sometimes it can be intimidating when people just say, go and do what you're passionate about, but some people don't know. But like what you said is just keep being curious. Keep Yeah, because it takes time. I think totally. that's the other thing. It took me yeah. about eight years to find anything I was passionate about and I just yeah. didn't give up because I was like, no, yeah. this is going to be the thing that's going to get me out of this funk, you know, yeah. and so I just kept searching. Yeah, just keep leaning into what makes you excited. I think that's that's the the best, you know, navigation to follow. Um, do so, try and keep trying things that make you excited about life, that make you feel grateful to be alive. And and the more you you follow that, you'll more tap into your intuition, and you're gonna find that path. Mm, it's true. Everyone and, has that inside of them, and it leads you to the next bit too. I think totally. I ended up working in dance music, which ended up introducing me to people that worked on the radio, which then you know it all started to unfold. But yeah. for some reason, for me, it had to be a very it was a pretty long process so you know you have to kind of just keep going because it might not be the end game but as my best mate said to me once does it bring you a step closer to where you think you need to be if the answer is yes then fucking do it you know because it will kind of keep keep putting a foot foot in front of the other and I think you know with hindsight as well like I'm sure that you look back and you see how each one of those steps has helped you where you are now so even if you feel lost in the moment you know someday you're going to be look back and realize oh that's why I did that job because I needed this skill that's helping me now specifically specifically I, I booked DJs and did contracts and then was able to do my own national radio contract yeah. years later so it's kind of crazy to think that you yeah. never in a million years think that you'll need the skills you do at the yeah. time for something all, that becomes kind of so like meaningful your, 
you look back and it's like, you know, Slumdog Millionaire, how everything kind of leads him up to that point. Once yeah. you find that, yeah. that yeah, point yeah, of yeah. passion, you'll look back and be like, oh my gosh, every single step to get here finally makes sense. And, Shit, I love um, that movie. It just, as soon oh. as you mentioned it in that context, it gave me goosebumps. I'm like, yes. And then this and this and the answer yeah. and blah, blah, blah. It's so good. Yeah, so true. Um, and in, in reflection to, you know, what did I not expect about being an Olympian is um, I think that... Um, part of it was the, the actual Olympic games itself. I think it's, it's, it's beautiful, but it's also ridiculously glorified, you know, by right. and it's made into this like spectacle of, you know, like there is, and there is nothing greater and it's, everything is a movie moment and everything is beautiful. And it's this beautiful facilitated, you know, event. Um, and, but living in that state is quite different. And I always feel quite cautious speaking about it because I never want to, um, you know, disappoint people. And there was so many aspects that were amazing, but, um, the media makes us believe that there's all these expectations around it. And it's quite different when you live it. And I think that's with a, when we have so many expectations of a certain thing of how it's exactly supposed to be, sometimes we can be disappointed. So, um, and, and, so going into the Olympics, what was interesting about like living there as an Olympian is as much as you see the day to day and, you know, every day is a highlight reel, right? Every day there's like a beautiful moon, movie montage and there's all these epic yeah. moments. But, With big um, inspirational songs. Oh and, my God, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, it's not a musical, you know, like it's, when we're there every day, like it's not a living musical where, you know, what I think people forget is when you're at the Olympics, athletes are literally doing what they do every day, just in the village. You know, we were, had two weeks of literally going to training to the pool for six hours a day, um, coming back, having dinner and going to bed while everyone is competing. So, you know, there, there is that aspect that people forget the behind the scenes. And I think it's the same reflection of like, it's really easy to see the glory of people's journeys, but it, you don't always see the story, right? Cause you see the, the end game of, you know, me standing on stage and me swimming at the Olympic games. But what you didn't see is the hours and hundreds of hours mm. and um, early mornings that I did, all the moments when I doubted myself, all the moments that were hard, all the moments that people didn't see where, you know, I would cry because I was exhausted, cry because I was in pain, all those little aspects that lead up to seeing those glory moments at the end. And, 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 and living that on the other side was, was fascinating, um, to experience and really humbling. And, and I think it, it taught me to as much as I can learn to release my expectations and just allow myself to live in the present moment of what it is, as opposed to what I believe it is always going to be. And, and, you know, in a, um, another sense that also helps the process of manifestation, because the more that we just live in the, the being state, the feeling state, the present state, um, and work towards our goal and let, go of expectation of what we believe it's going to be, the more likely it is going to happen, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally does. It totally does. I'm so excited to read your book. It sounds like you've got so many uh, life lessons and tools that you've been able to articulate through all of your experiences, which I think will be incredibly helpful. Um, so I will put all the details uh, in our show notes as, at where people can get the information on the book and, of course, your website and follow your blog and all the other fun bits and pieces that you're doing. Um, thank you so much. This has been such a great chat. 
Oh, thank you so much, Stacey. It's, it's lovely to speak to you. And, and I always enjoy getting the chance to share my journey. And I always love to say thank you for what you are doing, because I think what I'm passionate about now is inspiring other people to go after what they love and, or find what they love and seeing people like yourself doing that, embodying it, and then sharing the stories of others is it honestly just makes me like buzz with excitement and love and, and belief that this world is going to be a good place. You know, I can be an idealist, but sometimes, but you know, why not? Like, why not live in that positive state? And because there's people like yourselves that are going out there and living in what you love and, and, and being successful at it. So thank you for giving me the chance and the platform to be able to share my story and, and inspiring so many other people on on the journey of your own story as well. Oh, thank you, Danielle. That's so, so sweet. And I think you can create your own world, right? So if you continue to work around people and, and you know, share stories and, and surround yourself with like-minded people, then that's totally. your experience. So it's like yeah. we do have the potential to do that, which I think is really cool. And I'm learning as I get older with I have the choice. I have the choice to have yeah. you in my life or not have you in my life. It's it's really, really great. And it's such a lovely thing to be able to meet people like you through this, this platform too. So I'm equally grateful that I have it because it just it's it's so rewarding for me personally as well as I'm yeah. sure it is for all of our listeners. Thank you again. Thank you. This has been another Bijou Podcast production. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.